0: If you want to turn to the book of Galatians, I'm going to read just a few verses from chapter one, and for the next few weeks that I'm speaking, I want to just continually look at the tree of life. Those of you who won't remember it, but Genesis 1, 2, and 3 It's lovely to see James as well. Were you here last week? I don't know whether you were, but it's lovely to have James here with us as well. Fantastic. Uh, Genesis 1, 2, and 3 contain, in those three chapters, the root systems of the whole Bible. If you had 20, 30, 40 hours, you could open it up verse by verse and trace the whole root system into the rest of the Scriptures. I would even go as far as to say that the first three chapters of Genesis are as important as Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, Psalms and Proverbs in terms of daily reading. I don't read a portion of Genesis 1, 2 and 3 every day these days but uh, I regularly go back to it because there's so much there in concentrate. Now, we're going to pick up in Galatians. Now, just in background. The first letter that was written, the first piece of New Testament literature was 1 Thessalonians. Galatians is probably the second. If it's not the second, it's early. The content in Galatians is very similar to the content that was discussed in Acts chapter 15, the Council of Jerusalem. And you can not take my word for it, you can take words of F.F. Bruce and others who are scholars who've forgotten more than I know, that the dating of Galatians is very close to the Council of Jerusalem. Now, why I want to use this passage today, and I'll read it shortly, and why I want to look at the book of Galatians, is in it there is this tree of life holiness, which is what we're going to look at. I want to look at holiness today, taking holiness and the roots of holiness from a tree of life, not a tree of knowledge. It's one of those subjects, if you don't get it right, people are left, as we looked at last week, feeling about two feet tall. The number of times I've heard sermons on holiness where it sounds great, but why do I feel like shrinking into the ground? Because what's being given to me, as we'll see, isn't the tree of life, it's the tree of knowledge. It's a tree of external things rather than the Zoe life of Jesus behind what I'm being exhorted into. The same words can be said to me, but if it's the life of Jesus... Behind the words, even the hard words, we did this last week, you feel 10 foot tall, because... If it's got the Zoe life of Jesus, what I mean by Zoe life, it's that Greek word that is unique to describe the life of Jesus, indestructible, eternal, unique, beyond any of the lives that were created in Genesis 1. There's one life in Genesis 1 that existed, Alpha and Omega, before eternity, and will never ever outstrip eternity, and that is the life of God. And Zoe life is the God life. It's the God life, it's the Jesus life, it's the eternal life that enables us to be holy it's being engrafted in to a person not a program it's being engrafted in to a living God not a dead orthodoxy and when Jesus speaks we feel 10 feet tall even when he speaks words that are quite strong if it's his life his desire is for you to become like him and you will feel lifted up even in the hardest words sometimes, you feel lifted up. Now, the same words can be spoken, but from the suke life of your soul or from someone who's just read the Bible, got a bit of tree of knowledge. Oh, I think Christians shouldn't do this or shouldn't do that or shouldn't do this. And that same word, rather than lifting you through the ceiling, takes you straight down through the basement. Now, I want to apologize. Anybody who's felt... Like that, because of anything I've brought on holiness in the past, forgive me. I shirk from this subject, not because I don't want to preach it. I love this subject, because it's the essence of who we are, the set-apart ones for God, for Jesus. But if it's handled wrongly, this does more damage, more damage than I could ever imagine to art tell you. Christians who feel beaten up because someone's made a judgment on an external habit of life. Now, I'm quite a tough nut, so when someone tried to say to me, stop smoking, I deliberately thought, well, I'm not doing it until God tells me to. Who do you think you are? Now, my attitude probably was wrong. But when the Lord put his finger on it, and the last cigarette I ever smoked was 1986 with Paul Hawkins, with a pint of mild in the pub, the Malvern. I felt so sick, I thought, Paul, I don't want to do this again. I think this is the last time I'm ever going to smoke. And I stopped. It took 18 months. And it was a tree of life encounter. I've never touched a cigarette since. I just want to read from Galatians chapter 1 how Paul fit. This is one of the most violent epistles you could read. Some of you who are familiar with the Bible will think that the Galatians is a commentary of Romans. Some of you have read that. It's not. This was written before Romans. Romans is an amplification of Galatians. Romans actually expands what Galatians lays down. This is the most violent epistle because the Apostle Paul is addressing Satan's counter-attack against the grace of God in the church. And that's why the language in this letter... When you read it, you think, wow, I never want to touch legalism ever again. I never want to touch the religious spirit ever again. Neither do I want to touch a license that thinks you can just please yourself how you live once you're a Christian because he's defending the tree of life made accessible to us through faith in Jesus Christ. And the big question in Galatians is how does the Jewish law relate to Jews, now they are in Christ, that's the first big question, the second big question is, what about you and I, Gentiles, who love eating bacon, sausage, and pig, and don't particularly have any other laws, how does the Gentiles relate to the law, how does the law relate to the Gentiles, they're the two big questions in the background, and we'll just pick it up, verse chapter six, sorry, chapter one, verse six, I am amazed that you are so quickly deserting him who called you by the grace of Christ for a different gospel, which is really not another, only there are some who are disturbing you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven, now you get a hold of this, Even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to what we've preached to you, he's to be accursed. As we have said before, so I say again now, if any man is preaching to you a gospel contrary to what you received, he is to be accursed. For I am now not seeking the favor of men or of God, nor am I striving to please men. If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a bondservant, a doulos, a slave of Christ. Now, this would have been written probably about AD 51, six years before Romans. Romans comes along and amplifies what Paul speaks in Galatians. Now, I don't know whether you watch that program through the keyhole. Have you ever seen it? Put your hands up if, like me, you're a saddo who's seen a program through the keyhole. Not many, some of you have. Well, it's one of those programs, it's not daytime TV, just so that you don't think I sit there at 3 o'clock in the afternoon watching daytime TV. It's actually 20 past 9 at night on a Saturday, but it's also been on other times. And um, what the program is, you have a little keyhole, and you look through the keyhole into some famous person's house. And there are little clues in there as to who it is. I got one that was Fred Truman. I was really pleased with that. that. was that long time ago, because Fred Truman died about 10 years ago. But Fred Truman, he had a pipe, a wisdom almanac, a pair of whites and a cricket ball, and they gave a little few other clues. Whose house is this? And they've got these contestants, and they're trying to guess who it is. And they were in full pride, it's Fred Truman. It's Fred Truman. It's Fred Truman. And it was Fred Truman. And the clues give it away through the keyhole. If you put up the first slide, Graham, if you were to look through the keyhole into the early church, and the early churches that Paul planted, what would you see? Now, I can't do this justice in this length of time, but you would see access to a tree of life, faith and grace, faith and grace solely in the Lord Jesus Christ, you would see communities that are in covenant relationship with a living God by faith, Jew and Gentile by faith, no longer under the law or the curse of the law, no longer trying to work it out through the law of Moses. Romans 3.31, by faith, those of us who are Christians, we uphold the law. You don't try and obey it, you don't try and keep it, but equally it's not abolished. We haven't got time to look at it at the moment. You don't just abolish it, it's fulfilled in Jesus. Jesus broke every curse, he broke every curse of the law, accesses every blessing of the law to us through faith. And Paul is violent in this letter when people are coming along and trying to draw people away from the tree of life back to a Jewish tree of knowledge again. Yeah, you can have faith in Jesus, but you also need to obey the law of Moses. You need to get circumcised, and you need to teach the Gentiles they need to be circumcised. They were called Judaizers. And actually, there's certain foods you shouldn't eat, and there are certain Sabbath festivals that are important, and certain things of the law that need to be honoured. And the reason this was being done is because the first questions any pious Jew would ask is, where does the law of Moses now fit in my new life in Jesus Christ? And (laughs) how on earth can these Gentile dogs be included in who were never given the privilege of the law of Moses in the first place? They are the questions that are behind this letter in Galatians. And Paul comes out like a prize fighter. Any gospel that denies solely through faith and grace in Jesus Christ is no gospel. The gospel of Christ is a person, not a program. Jesus is the bread of life. He is the vine. He is the light of the world. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. Behold, our hands have touched eternal life, and we proclaim him to you. John's letter. And... The gospel in the person of Jesus is in total contrast to what these Judaizers were trying to get these early Christians to go back to. And that's why the language is so violent. He goes on to say in chapter 3, who has bewitched you, who has demonized you into turning away from your first love that you're now wanting to go back under the law? In chapter 2, the Apostle Peter, who was a Jew, an apostle to the Jews, he was beginning to start to slip into hypocrisy as well. And Paul violently rebukes him and publicly challenges him in what he's saying and says, you shouldn't be like this. Chapter 5, in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any value. The only thing that counts is faith, that working itself in love. Whatever you believe on the doctrine of Israel, if it doesn't have faith and grace in Jesus Christ, it's not going anywhere. Because the Apostle Paul made it clear. Later on, chapter 6, verse 14. This is just by way of background. We'll get onto the meat in a minute. Paul says, I have been crucified in Christ and I no longer live. I've been crucified to the world. Verse 15, The only thing that counts is a new creation. And that is the background. Now for you and I, we don't have a problem with whether or not we obey the law. Because we're Gentiles, we've never been given the Jewish law. But we do have to watch the equivalent tables of holiness that people can give us, that we need to obey in order to be right with God. Now you are right with God this morning entirely because of his covenant towards you. It's not based on contract, it's based on covenant. I will write my law in your heart by my spirit. Your sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. It is through faith and grace alone that you are engrafted in as a new creation. And that is nothing to do with contract. Now, contractual language, like if you do this, then I will do that, is important in terms of the quality of our relationship with the Lord. You know, if we choose to Hold on to unforgiveness, if we choose to hold bitterness, if we choose to be angry, then the quality of our relationship with the Lord will be impaired. But contract language is not the basis on which you are accepted. You are accepted entirely on the language of covenant because of my love for you, because of who you are, because I've chosen you, and it's got nothing to do with who you are. That is the foundation on which we stand when we begin to start to look, as we will look at shortly now, this whole subject of tree of life, holiness. If you put them all up so we can go through it quite quickly. I've already touched on a few of these things. Holiness is a person, not a program. 1 Corinthians one thirty says this, Jesus is our holiness, our wisdom, our righteousness and our redemption in God. It's a person. When Moses came down Sinai, he came down with the tablets of the law. When Jesus ascended the mountain in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, he sat at the disciples' feet, fulfilled the law, and began to start to give access to a law of freedom through faith in himself. It's a person, not a program. When Jesus speaks into our life, something... To encourage us, to challenge us, to exhort us to grow, it comes with life, it comes with love, it comes with purpose, it comes with dignity, it comes with value. And if you want to know Him, you begin to start to grow in Him and you begin to feel 10 feet tall because it's Jesus who's doing the shaping. If on the other hand, and I'm not going to quote the law because we're not under law, most of us can't relate to the Jewish law, but some of the shibboleths that we do have to watch are these. How can you become more holy? Well, if you fast, that will help. If Jesus is telling you to fast, do it. But don't do it just simply as a substitute for his life. If I only pray more and read the scriptures more, important disciplines, no one's saying they're not, But there's a huge difference between being seated at the feet of Jesus, him putting his arm around you and saying, Simon, I think it's about time we took this particular area of your life a little bit more seriously. And when it's him talking, you're drawn. As opposed to someone over here, just pointing the finger, pointing at a tablet of holiness and saying, your life isn't matching up to this. Let me give you an example of where this hits. There are a lot of you who've got children who are prodigals. And some of you have been in leadership. Now, I know there are men and women whose children are not walking with the Lord, and they are in pain, they are in tears, and the devil comes along, sometimes through some unwitting friend, just to put the finger, well, if you hadn't exposed your child to this, that might not have happened. If only you had done this, that might not have happened. And I've known parents feel the weight of condemnation. It's even more difficult if you're in leadership. Now, I am fully aware of the qualifications for leadership. I know several leaders and pastors whose kids aren't walking with the Lord and it weighs them down and part of the weighing down isn't the pressure and burden they're not walking with the Lord it's because people have gone to the tree of knowledge oh you're a leader therefore your children should be behaving like this why aren't they and you feel four foot tall if on the other hand Jesus comes to that person with the tree of life. I really understand the pain that you're going through. And no one feels it more than me where your son is at the moment. Why don't you get yoked to me, allow me to take the pressure with you, and let's prayerfully work towards restoration of your son. The difference is, four foot tall, ten foot tall. I'm not making this up. As a church pastor in this city, Alan knows who he is. You won't, none of you. And there were a lot of people that were wanting to pick up rocks and throw this guy and insult him with these rocks, because his lifestyle wasn't right in one particular area. And it was very public. And I was praying for this guy. Fiona knows who it is. and the Lord said to me, "This man is a Samson. He's a man of faith. He's a man who's blown it, but he's a man who I've not written off. Will you stand in the gap and take the stones for him and help him get restored? And I know the Lord was saying that to me. Stand in the gap and totally put the shield in front of these stones. They're not coming out of malice. It's just people's understanding of holiness sometimes is tree of knowledge. It's not apostolic grace or heavenly culture, it's just a real list here of do's and don'ts. Now, hear me right, the lifestyle wasn't right, but because you come in Christ, you win the right to speak the truth in love, and the guy goes 10 feet tall, and begins to start to change and open up his life and I consider him a real friend the difference is tree of life restoration tree of knowledge you'll never ever serve god again because of what you did when i look at david in the bible the man who blew it he was restored I'm not suggesting we blow it so that we can then get restored and wallow in, oh, isn't God's grace great? But it's the life of Jesus that we need to bring in encouraging people who we sit at. Responding to light. I've already mentioned some of these in passing. We haven't got much longer left. Second one, responding to life leading to light. Psalm 36, verse 4. With you is the fountain of life, and in your life we get light. One of the reasons we blow it on holiness is that we short-circuit life, and we go straight for light, straight for the tree of knowledge, straight for the table of how to behave, straight for the table of how to live. And we make reference, yeah, yeah, it's important that we love one another, it's important that we've got the life of God in us, and you think it's not just important, that's essential. It's essential we're seated in heavenly places, seated with Jesus, it's essential, it's the life of Christ flowing through us, giving us light in how we live and how we encourage and inspire one another. That pastor I mentioned, it was life that led to light. It's life that gives light, not the other way around. It's not formulas. It's not whether you have prayed off every generational sin in your family or prayed off every habit in your life that you've got at the moment. It's the person of Jesus, step-by-step transformation from one degree of glory to another. There's a book I've dipped into, I know Richard's got it because it was his book I dipped into, God's Generals. And as you read through this account of men like William Seymour, William Seymour was the Pentecostal author an architect of the Azusa Street Revival and Pentecostalism. When you read the account of William Seymour's life, it's an amazing story of the grace of God. He was a black man, in, son of a slave, and racist issues were there in 1904 in America. And the Spirit of God fell on Azusa Street. and William Seymour was the main preacher that ushered in the Pentecostal movement. Now, on one occasion, the people were trying to get into Azusa Street for a meeting, and they couldn't get in because it was locked. And they heard some commotion behind the front door. And if they found out that William Seymour was punching the life out of this caretaker because he wouldn't let him out the building for some reason or other that night. And there was a fight going on. And you think, ooh, not gone, William to take you aside for the next five years you can't say or do anything that's what some of us would do now I'm not I'm not saying you go around punching people and we let people off the hook I'm not saying that at all but there's a tree of life way of restoring a William Seymour and a tree of knowledge way of restoring a t- William Seymour and I don't know the outcome Alan do you know the outcome of what happened there with William Seymour you can't remember okay but it's a great great book tree of life holiness, I put here grace not gritted teeth, let's read Titus 2, 11 and 12 for the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to all men instructing us to deny ungodliness and worldly desires and to live sensibly, righteously, and godly in the present age. Now, who or what is doing the instructing here? It's the grace of God. How do you access the grace of God? Through faith in Jesus. And that faith in Christ, that grace in Christ, you're accepted in who you are, and then bit by bit, you're transformed, changed from one degree of glory to another. And it's the grace of God that transforms and changes us, not gritted teeth. I was out in the woods this week, at Bluebell Wood in Toot Hill, and I had a difficult couple of days beforehand. I won't bore you with the details. I I'm going to do this, Lord. This is how I'm going to overcome this. And I just felt the Lord saying to me, sit at my feet and stop eating from the tree of knowledge every time you go to that tree to change, you don't change. Sit at my feet. And on this particular issue, I won't bore you with it, Fiona knows, I'm sitting at the feet of Jesus. And the last few days, I thought, actually, this is a better place to be than beating myself around the head with a tree of knowledge of what is right and wrong. The tree of life won't contradict the tree of knowledge. It's just that it's coming from the life of Jesus and not you trying to be God in a way you can't be, or me trying to be God in a way I can't be. Let's go back to the next two. I think the difference between tree of life holiness and tree of knowledge holiness is that tree of life, we're wise in the Lord's eyes, not our own. Going back to the Galatian passage, these Judaizers that were trying to get the Jewish church back under the law of Moses, they were being wise in their own eyes. This is what we know, this is what we should be doing. Paul comes along and says, No, no, no. You've got access now to Christ. He's your tree of life, He's your holiness, one step at a time through faith in Him. Sit at His feet. And then finally, and I do want to make this the final point. Holiness is progressive. This is an important verse. We'll turn to Hebrews 10 14 and finish. And then, Fiona, do you want to come and lead us a little bit? Well, something I want us to do. This is what it says in Hebrews 10 14 For by one offering he has perfected for all time those who are sanctified. I think in the NIV. It's, he's made perfect forever those who are being made holy. Is that right? Now, if we go back to the point, Graham, when you become a Christian, you get these technical terms in the Bible righteousness, justification, sanctification. When you are engrafted into the tree of life, into Christ, you are declared in right relationship with Him you are declared to be in perfect right standing, like in a court of law with God. And we can feel, that's a bit awkward, because I still sin. But legally, forensically, courtroom language, you're declared right. You're free. But, sanctification, that is the process by which we are being made more and more like Jesus. You're declared to be right in Jesus, the rest of our Christian life is growing into who we are becoming more like him taking on his likeness now I put down here certain percentages because I like to make a decent chili and you can buy meat with 20% fat 15% fat 10% or 5% the 5% is a lot better than the 20% there's a lot less to drain off those of you who know what I'm talking about would you agree with that those of you who cook And when you become a Christian, when you first become a Christian, praise God if there's only 20% of you that needs to change. I mean, that's fantastic. When you become a Christian, full on, here I am, Lord. You're free, Simon. You're declared right in right standing with me. Now the process of making you more like me begins. And you go, and John the Baptist says, he must become everything, I must become less he must become more, I become less. And so the process of becoming a Christian is 95% fat, 5% meat. No, 95% meat, 5%. fat. And you, get, you progressively become more and more like Jesus, less and less like the old man that you were. That's called sanctification. I would love to get to here before glory, where there's only 5% of the old man's still visible in me. But if you drive with me, you will know that that 5% is probably near a 10. If I get a blocked goal because I can't put my television on, because it's got one of these silly little ridiculous things that you've got to do, uh, what what, what do you want? Power saving. I want to watch the news at 10 o'clock. I stick it on and it won't come on. Because there's a power thing that I've got. I think, well, come on, where's the news? Come on, come on. Well, when I'm like that, I'm here. Not here. I used to sulk for about an hour when Villa lost. <laughs> I don't know, because I'm used to it. I'm used to it. As a Christian, when Ian Botham used to go out to bat, I thought, fantastic, or Kevin Peterson, fantastic. This is going to be great. Get a beer out, let's just enjoy. Out for a duck or out for three. Oh, what? And I would love to say at that point, I just said, oh, well, Lord, it's only a game. Who cares? Let's just get on with life. But I didn't. Do I, Fiona? (laughs) Um, We're all works in progress. If we say 100% here is where it's just 100% old man, here is 5% old man, 95% new man, I would love to say I was here. (laughs) I would really take that in terms of reality where you're seeing 80% of Jesus and 20% of the old man. You get the point. It's step by step in the tree of life. And there is a serious point to this as we finish. It's why we need to do this in community. So that I can look at Martin and he can look at me, and we've known each other for 32 years. You're not the same person you've changed, you are from 20 to 15 to even 10 in that particular arena of your life. Equally, we need one another where we may regress and go from here backwards, just to say actually maybe you need to get back into the tree of life on some of these things, you are slipping.